Yeah, Samaritan's Purse does such an amazing work all over the world uh, by being the hands and feet of Jesus. And it's a privilege and an honor for us to partner with them. Last year, we put together over 200 boxes and were able to send them to some child across the world that maybe would never have gotten a Christmas gift. And uh, we're getting started. And so we'd like for you to be a participator and uh, uh, someone that's going to pray that God's going to make an eternal difference in some of these children who don't have very much and that we can be an instrument of his blessing. Amen? Amen. Uh, well, good morning, and uh, good morning and welcome to our online campus and to our second service as well as they're going to be watching this via video. Um, real quick before I go into my message, two important things, and I know you heard it on the welcome video, but uh, if you can pick up this orange connect card for me real quick, it should be in front of you, and uh, it should be in the seat in front of you. Do me a favor and pick up the card, and do one big thing, just wave it in the air, like if you really do care, okay? <laughs> and the reason that I say that every Sunday is because you fill out these cards, and you matter to us. And you matter to God. And on these cards, there are, there's a place that says, go God. That means God has done something in your life this past week. We would love to celebrate that with you. So fill out the card, put a go God. And then there's another place right, be, right uh, below that. It says, need God. How many of us need God for something in our lives? Love for you to fill that out as well. We want to pray with you, pray for you. And uh, we will never violate your personal space. We just want to be a part of partnering with you. And these cards, when we receive them, we pray over them. And our prayer team, when, when we pray on Tuesdays at 7 a.m., every time that they repeat a go God they, or a testimony, they'll say, go God, all together. And we just thank the Lord. And, and we know he hears our prayers. Amen? Second very important thing, uh, if you're a man in the house would you stand up? If you're a man in the house, would you stand up? Real men will stand up for Jesus. Yeah. All right. Well, you also received a real man retreat brochure, right? And we're getting ready in the second or third week of October, uh, 14th through the 16th, to go to Alpine, Arizona. Anyone been to Alpine? Ooh, it's so nice. It is so nice. We're going to go up there, and uh, the, the theme of our retreat is going to be titled Breakthrough. Anyone need a breakthrough in their life? And when men come together, great things happen. It's going to really be a blessing to the wives to get the men out of the house. It's going to be a blessing to the men to get out of the house. And uh, we do some really wonderful things, and, and it's just going to be a great time. So do me a favor. Pray about uh, being a part of the retreat. I think you will be blessed, and, uh, and we'll just thank the Lord for the rest that he's going to do. Let me start out my message with a question. Have you ever been conflicted? Conflicted to me is when you are just not sure about something. You're just uncertain. It's, it's kind of the state of being uncertain. And, and, and it's one of life's biggest dilemmas. 
the great thinker, mathematician, Blaise Pascal, he put it like this. He said, we sail within a vast sphere, ever drifting in uncertainty, driven from end to end. In other words, life is like you're on this ship ride. You're in a ship, and, and, and everywhere you go, there are things that you're just not sure about. You know, there's uh, some songs that have been written about this. People have made a lot of money writing songs about being uncertain. There's this great theological so- song that was uh, uh, played by, remember the group The Clash? Anyone? That kind of helps us right there with being uncertain. You're kind of clashing. And the, the clash did this big hit, and the song went something like this. Should I stay or should I go now? If I stay or if I go, it will be trouble. And if I stay, it will be double. Yeah. Conflicted. And they didn't know they were writing a theological song, but they were. We, we live in a, in a world of conflictedness. And we're going to see this in Scripture. We're going to see this in chapter 7, verse 1 through 13 in the Gospel of John. We're going to see how, how Jesus is going to be moving into this next season of ministry. And before, when he first started, every, he was very popular. Everyone was really excited about everything that he had done. All the miracles that he had performed. And it was, go Jesus! And now he's going to go into a season of difficulty. Where people are going to turn from him. Family members are not going to believe in him. And people are going to wrestle with this person named Jesus, who was from Nazareth. And it helps us, because I don't think we live a day that we don't have something that conflicts with our faith. The things that you hear on television, maybe the places where you go to work, if you're young and you're in school, the schools are conflicted with Things of faith. And you've got to wrestle with this. And, and you've got to see how am, how am I as a follower of Christ. Once you have put a, a line in the sand. You've drawn a line in the sand. And you've said I am going to follow Jesus though none go with me. I will stay true to following him because he is the Messiah. He is the savior of mankind. He is the Lord. Once you do that, there will be a battle going on for your victory as a follower of Jesus. Hear me now. There's not a battle going on for your salvation. That's been settled at the cross. When you've put your faith in Jesus, you are a child of God, and that cannot be taken from you. No matter how you behave, no matter what you've said, no matter how you, what you do, He paid it all for you. But what happens is there's this battle going on for the victory that we can have in this world. And because you are in Christ, you are called to live a victorious life, not a defeated life. 
Not a life where you're just down and out all the time, but where you're just confident in what he's done for you. And you walk in this positivity, this positiveness that Jesus brings into our lives. So here's how verse 1 starts in chapter 7. After this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. And he wanted to stay out of Judea, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. So that's a good idea. You stay away from where they want to kill you. Right? But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And Jesus' brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. Isn't that interesting that his followers had already been seeing many miracles? Amen? Verse 4, you can't become famous if you hide like this. They had a whole different viewpoint of Jesus than what Jesus' viewpoint was for him and what he was going to do in this world. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. And verse 5 says, for even his brothers didn't believe in him. I don't know if you have your Bible or something, your, your outline, but you can underline that. That's an important thing right there. Even his brothers didn't believe in him. And Jesus replied, now is not the right time for me to go, but you can go anytime. The world can't hate you, but it does hate me because I accuse the world of doing evil. Hmm. That's a keeper right there, right? Put that in your pocket. Hold on to that throughout the day. You go on, he tells his brothers. I'm not going to this festival because my time has not yet come. And after saying these things, Jesus remained in Galilee. Conflicted. Do you see any kind of confliction in here? Do you see any uncertainty in there? How, how do we navigate through uncertainty? I'm going to give you some takeaways. And my prayer, beloved, my prayer is that when you, ha- when you look at these takeaways, that you will allow the Holy Spirit to even feel more, for you to have more as you go throughout the week, that you can recognize how we can become conflicted and uncertain. How do I navigate through uncertainty? The first thing is, when my, how do I navigate through uncertainty when my family doesn't believe in Jesus? I remain anchored to the reliability of God and his word. Two, two things are vital for us to take away from this first point. The first thing is that Jesus had other brothers. How many of you knew that? Raise your hand. Someone, someone going, yeah, beautiful. It's good for us to learn things. Because maybe we were taught or raised up in a, in a faith system that said that Jesus didn't have any other siblings. How do we know he had brothers? The Bible tells us so. Amen? Remember what I said. If, if someone teaches something that is not in here, you believe this 
more than what you believe them. So the first thing that's important is that Jesus had other brothers. And the second thing that is vital is that his brothers didn't believe in him during his earthly ministry. Jesus' uh, brother said to him, leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. When did Jesus ever hide? But have you noticed that our brothers and our sisters will insert things into our lives? I know you guys don't do, have any brothers like that. You don't, that never happens to you. But second service, they have a lot of brothers and sisters that do this. And second service, you're going to be hearing this. So first service also has them too. If you, if you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. And if you were to go right now to Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, you would find out that it lists the brothers' names. There was Jude, who wrote the book of Jude. There was Simon, who was uh, another brother. There was uh, Joseph, who was called Joseph after his dad. And there was also, uh, uh, so there was Jude, James, Simon, and Joseph. And they didn't believe in Jesus, even after witnessing the perfect one. Now, why is that important to me? It's important to me because if, if Jesus' siblings didn't believe in him, what makes me think that my family will believe when they have seen my imperfect life all throughout the years? I was the first born-again Christian in my whole family. And they all, thought, they all thought that I was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. They had seen my life. They had seen everything that I had done. And what, what makes me think that they were going to change? Now, there's a, there's a good ending to that story. But the reality is that your family isn't always going to believe right away. And not only that, was also people don't believe because they see all the hurt that people have caused in the name of religion. If you look at religion throughout the centuries, there's been a lot of bad things done in the name of religion. And so people are conflicted in trusting because all that they have seen and all that they have heard. And what people see when they're conflicted is they see religion instead of a relationship with Jesus Christ, which are two completely different things. They see our past. They don't see the new person that Christ is forming. They don't see that you are a new creation in Christ, that all things have passed away, all the former things are gone, and now you have become new because of what Jesus has done for you on the cross. And you are born again into a new relationship with the Father where you can actually call God Almighty your Father because of what Jesus has done for you at Calvary. And he seals you with the Holy Spirit, and things begin to change in your life, but I don't know about you, but I can tell you about me, that when I became born again, that I was studied 
by my family. That they looked at me, they would listen to every word that I would say. They would say things like, I know who you are. I know where you've come from. I know all that you've done. Don't be trying to get all religious on me. And so sometimes our family do not believe. But what we need to know is that Jesus is faithful even when people are not. Are you with me? And his word is true. And he has and he will continue to prove himself at the right time. See, there, there may be someone in here and you're conflicted with the faith of your wife, the faith of your child, the faith of your grandkids. And maybe you're here just visiting and you're conflicted because you see something different in them, but you don't know about this religious thing. And that's the lens that you have. You're looking at them with a religious lens instead of a lens that shows a relationship with the almighty God. And let me tell you that at the right time, Jesus will show up in your life if you let him. And that's exactly what happened in my life. And that's exactly what I learned from Jesus is that Jesus says, your time is right now, bros. Your time to go into this world is right now, but my time has not come. And Jesus always waited for the right time. Hear me now. Jesus came into your life not when it was early and not when it was late. He came into your life at just the right time. And that's exactly the way he works. His brother James became a great leader in the church. If you read the book of James, anyone ever read the letter from James in the, in the New Testament? That's his brother. The book of Jude was written by his brother Jude. So they became believers after they saw the resurrected Christ. It had to be at the right time. And I'm going to say this, that you can be confident in finding an anchor of hope in God's word. Because maybe right now you're conflicted. Maybe right now you're thinking, my, my family just doesn't believe in Jesus. I, I'm so troubled and I, I, I can testify. I can just agree with you that when our kids are living astray and they're living far from God, there's nothing that hurts a father or a mother like that. There's nothing that hurts a grandfather than when their grandkids are not walking with Jesus. Amen? Because you know what the world brings. And you know what the devil wants to do in their lives. But the writer of Hebrews put it like this. He said this. When God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word a rock-solid guarantee. God can't break his word. His word is true. And because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. We 
who have run for, for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances, all appearances right to the very presence of God where Jesus run, running on ahead of us has taken up his permanent post as our high priest in, or, in the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was in the Old Testament. He had no genealogy, no father, no mother. He was a high priest like no other. He's a picture of who Jesus is. And when you hold on to the word of truth and the promises of God, you can be guaranteed that it's going to be an anchor for whatever you're facing. Even when your family is in unstable ground. Are you with me? For those of you that are fretting, you're very, very unsettled because family members have not come to God. You can trust that his word is true and that he's not done. He's not done. You see, Jesus did a lot of miracles. Amen? We're not done. We're going to see more miracles in this book. But the anchor of our lives is the reliability of his word. When I had my, my, uh, my dad, who was a very staunch Roman Catholic, and he would come and he would observe me daily. You know, when, when, when he would come and visit, he would sit there and just, he wouldn't even talk. He would just look at me because he had been praying as a, as a staunch Roman Catholic, been praying that I would change my life because I was such a mess and my marriage was such a mess. And he prayed for me and prayed for me and prayed for me. And I became born again. And he said, what in the world happened? <laughs> I was praying, but I wasn't praying for this. But he studied me, he studied me, he studied me. At the end of about, of about six months, he said this to me. He said, son, I've looked at you. I've looked at your life. I've looked at your marriage. I've looked at your family. And I have never seen love like I see in this home. Let me say this to you, beloved. This is important. Only God can bring real love into a life of one who didn't know it. And we've got to trust that God is still not done. Here's what I came to find out. Man, Jesus says some words that are really difficult. Remember that last week, right? We hold on to him even when his words are hard and his words are, are difficult to understand. Jesus said this, and I've come to find out that it's true. He said this. He said, if you love your father or your mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you love your son or your daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. And what I came to find out, beloved, is that I don't even know love until I know God. I cannot love my wife like she needs to be loved without the love of God. It's God who says, husbands, love your wives the way that Christ loved the church and gave himself up. For her. It's that love that my wife needs. It's the love that, that God has given me that I honor my father and my mother. It's that love that he gave me. In fact, one of my siblings, everyone in my family, all the Reese's in my immediate family are saved except for one. And that one that saved, he has not given his life to Jesus that I know of. He may just be hiding that from me. I don't know. 
But that one, I brought him to my house and we watched him. He's, he's, uh, he's handicapped because he had a brain aneurysm. And we brought him to Tucson and he spent a, a month with us. And in that month, Johnny was, was he, he just drove me crazy. And he would do things and say things. He would say things about God. He would say things about me. And, and the Holy Spirit just impressed on me one time because I wanted just to hit him over the head. He couldn't do anything anyway. He hit, you know, I was like, mm, hit me back. But I didn't do that. The Holy Spirit impressed on me. He said, love him like I've loved you. And that love began to, began to work. And, and, and as it, it began to work inside of me, it began to work in him. And God will do the rest. And he's not in our home anymore. He's in a care home. But I know that God is still moving. And you may be in here and you may have family members that are not walking with Jesus. Don't give up. Hold on to the love of Christ. Hold on to his word. One of the greatest temptations that that we make is to make our spouse, our kids, and our relatives more important than God. And we'll never say that, but our actions say it. And I'm convinced that God is a source of love. And when we put him first, it's his love that begins to filter into the lives of those who really matter to us. Choose not to give God the leftovers. Give your family the overflow of you prioritizing Jesus in your life. Are you with me? God doesn't deserve the leftovers. And when you do that, you will be conflicted. Amen? You want to know why some people are conflicted with their family? Because they're trying to appease their family instead of prioritizing Jesus. When you do that, everything else will work in your life. Here's the second thing. Conflicted. How do I navigate through uncertainty when the ways of the world conflict with our faith in Jesus? Choose his ways and choose his word. Look, look how it started. Jesus replied, now, now is not the right time for me to go, but you can go anytime. He's talking to his brothers. The world can't hate you, but it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. He says, you go on. I'm not going to the festival because my time has not yet come. And the world, you need to understand this, the world is always at odds with the real Jesus. The world will always want to kill the real Jesus. The world will always want to take the real Jesus out of society. Don't mention Christ must. Take that out of society. Don't bring Christ into the schools. Don't bring Christ into government. Don't bring Christ into, you can say any other name, any other religion, but don't bring Christ into this world because Christ threatens the world because it deals with the world's problem. And the world's problem is that we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But not only does he deal with the problem, he brings a solution. 
And the solution is that Jesus is the answer. And here's the thing, beloved. If you're trying to straddle the fence, if you're trying to live in the world and live like the world, you will always live conflicted. But if you live in the world, but you understand that you're not of this world, you understand that you make an eternal difference in this world. Amen? And the way that you do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives and resides in every believer. He does what we could never do. See, (laughs) I jotted this down. I think I need to say it. See, the world doesn't hate the religious Jesus. They don't hate the religious Jesus. You can have the religious Jesus. You know what I mean? You, you go to church and you go to church. But they hate the real Jesus. The real Jesus comes into your life and he begins to transform things. He, he, he begins to work deep down in our hearts. And he, he works in those places that we can't. Religion can't work there. Religion says dress this way, act this way, don't talk this way. Relationship with Jesus says, I love you. I want to go deep down. I want to heal some of the things that you have that make you the way that you are. And when you allow those things to be exposed, when you allow that to happen, it, it, it begins to change you in ways that you could never change on your own. In ways that, that, that the church can't make you change, and, and a temple can't make you change, and a synagogue can't make you change. Those things can't make you change without the real Jesus. See, the world is really threatened by the real Jesus. And Jesus told his brothers, he said, the world can't hate you because at this moment, you don't believe in me. But once you believe in me, he didn't say this, but this is the white, white lines right here. He says, once you believe in me, once you trust in me, the world's going to hate you. And what I've come to find out, beloved, is, is, is that the world begins to hate you when you follow the real Jesus. They begin to say things that, uh, that they didn't say before. You know, like, uh, you know, the past friends, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but they'll, they'll begin to say things like, uh, we like the old person better. We like, the, we like the way that old person was. We, this new person, uh, we don't like him that much. And, 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 and then you begin to say things like, well, you don't like this new person, but my wife really loves this new person. <laughs> and my kids, they, they really love this new person. And the reason for that is because Jesus has done some radically change, radically important changes in our lives. So I'm going to say something to you that's important. Remember this. If you're not having people say those kinds of things, you may be living conflicted. If you don't have people saying to you, people that you ran with, people that you hung out with, if you don't have them people saying, man, there is really a change in you. Maybe you're living Conflicted. The the Apostle Paul put it like this. He says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. 
But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Pause right there. If, you're, if you have not changed the way that you thought at one time, maybe we're living conflicted. Maybe we're living uncertain. Because what I come to know is that when you read this word right here, that there's a lot of things that begin to work deep down in my soul. And they begin to change the way that I talk, the way that I react, and the way that I I live. He says, then you will learn to, to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You will always be conflicted trying to live like the world if you're a follower of Christ. I'm going to say that again because it's that important. You will always be conflicted if you try to emulate the way the world lives if you are a follower of Christ because you're different. You are a Christ follower. When they, when they talked about Christians in the New Testament, it wasn't like, oh, these people are Christians. That wasn't the way that they looked at it. It was the outsider saying, these people are those Christ people. They act and they follow this Christ whose name is Jesus. And they're different from everybody else. And sometimes, beloved, sometimes when you begin to, when you begin to be a uh, allow the Lord to begin to work in your heart and in your soul, there begins to be some complications in your relationships because they don't know this person that they once knew. Peter put it like this. He said this, don't, don't, uh, uh, in, 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 1 Peter 4.4, 4, it says, Of course, your former friends, they're surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things that they do. So then they begin to slander you. You see, I know this for, to be true because there was a time that I was the talk of the party. And can I tell you something? It was for a different reason than it is today. I'm the talk of the party today still, but in a whole different way. Are you with me, beloved? If you're, if you're the talk of the party because you act and you look and, you, and, you, and your lifestyle is just like what's going on here, if that's who you're emulating, then you're really not following the things that Christ wanted us to follow. And if, if you're over here, then they're still going to talk about you, but you're going to have the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding. Because in that former life, I know that that was chaos. But in this life, there's peace. In that former life, there was a lot of bad choices. There was no faithfulness in this James Reese right here. There was no faithfulness. Oh, yeah, it was the life of the party. Everyone got excited. Oh, look at James. Oh. But the next day, I had a lot of explaining to do. And I know you guys don't relate to this, but those watching online, you do.
The apostle, the apostle John put it like this. He said, he said, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything that we see, and pride in our achievements, in our possessions. And can I tell you, this James Reese lived there. That, that was, that's talking about me before Christ. Every single one of the things that it said right there, physical pleasure, I live for it. A, a craving for everything that I see, I, I live for that. And pride in what I had done. Look at what I have done. And these are not from the Father, but they're from the world. So it says you can dif differentiate which one. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Is it worth it? Amen. Is it, is it worth giving up the things of this present world for the things of eternity? Is it, worth, is it worth it saying no to a momentary pleasure that will bring a lifetime of regret? For the things that are very difficult at times to withstand the temptations that come upon us. And in and, and our real men's studies, we talk about this. We wrestle with these. And on Thursday nights, we wrestle. We're very honest about the things that men wrestle with. And none of us try to put it aside religiously like, oh, I never do this. I never do this. We all say, we all do it. And we need the help of God. We all need the help of Jesus Christ because I don't want to be that person that is unfaithful to my wife with my eyes, with my heart, and with my life. I, I want to be a person that walks in the integrity of Christ. And the only way that I can do that is by submitting myself to the lordship of the almighty God through Jesus. And the blood of Christ sanctifies me and makes me what I could never be without him. And the Holy Spirit of promise, I have fellowship with him and he empowers me and he helps me with, with what I'm going through and he cleanses my mind and he cleanses my heart and he gives me a whole different step and he makes me upright and he makes me walk in the attributes of God. The only way that we can do that is through the Almighty. And if we don't do it, we will live conflicted. We will be so conflicted because you'll be a church person, but you won't be a saved person. You'll be a church person, but you won't be a victorious person. God wants victory in your life. And victory comes with a price. America is what it is because people paid a price so that we could enjoy the freedoms that we have today. In a greater scope, Jesus paid it all. So that we could enjoy the benefits that we have from the almighty God. And the victory that we have from the almighty God. Because of what he's done. So that we can do it. And we don't live defeated. Conflicted. How do I navigate through uncertainty? Number three. When man's religion is in conflict with the freedom that Christ provides. Choose Jesus every time. Hear me now. If I ever put something on you that binds you, if I preach or anyone preaches something that binds you from the freedom that you have in Christ, choose Jesus every time. See, religion will kill the Jesus that is setting you free. Religion will, will, do, will stifle 
the things that God wants to do in your life. Are you with me? You can't have real love without Jesus. You can't have real joy without Jesus. You can't have real peace without Jesus. You can't have self-control without Jesus. You can't have faithfulness without Jesus. You can't have long-suffering without Jesus. Verse 1, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of the Judea because he knew that the Jewish leaders, they were plotting his death, and it was not the right time. See, a religious spirit is a lot different than a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I did my mom's service in the Roman Catholic Church. The priest was sick, and he said, uh, he said, I trust your brother to do the service. Now, this doesn't happen. A Protestant pastor going into a Roman Catholic diocese doing a service. The, the, one of the, the priests, a friend of the family, said, I want to participate. And I said, you know what? I, 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 I think the Lord's leading me to do this service solo. I think he wants for me to do it like this. And so I did the service in, in Roman Catholic Church, full house. I gave a message. And in between my tears celebrating my mom. I gave an invitation at the end where there was probably 12 people that said yes to Jesus at that, at that service. Okay. Now, the father, the priest, the pastor was there and he was going through the mass and that's okay. He's going through the mass while I was talking out loud. We went to the, to the uh, internment to do the, the, the gravesite service, and he was talking during the service, and at the end, when I was getting ready to, to uh, put my mom on the, in the ground, and, and um, he wanted to sprinkle some water on the casket. I said, she don't need water. She's cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Amen. I said, that's, that's already been done. And so he got his water, and he threw it at the casket. He was on the front row. My wife was like, what's going on? And he stomped off. <laughs> and one of my best friends comes to me and he said, uh, wow, what just happened? He said some things that I'm not going to repeat them. I said, well, that's a religious spirit. You see, a religious spirit will always try to kill the real Jesus and put you in bondage to religiosity. Are you with me? Jesus came to set us free. Living Word Chapel doesn't save you. The church down the street doesn't save you. Jesus Christ saves you. And Jesus Christ will set you free. I'm going to end by saying this. I love this quote. It says, religion is a guy in church thinking about golfing. It says fishing. I know that. <laughs> a relationship with God is a guy that is thinking about God even when he's
or fishing or side by siding <laughs> or a girl knitting or square dancing. God loves you, and he has more for us than to live a life that is conflicted. God bless you.